right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Callahan's Corner Reviews. It is uh, Halloween officially today. Um, finally going to get this review out. I've been wanting to review this movie for, well, 24 hours. I saw the movie like less than 24 hours ago. Uh, I just got home from work, by the way, so I'm a little like, you know, like, well, not sore, just tired. Why would I be sore? I guess maybe mentally sore, whatever. Okay, no one cares. Anyway, let's get into the review, Callahan's Corner's review. We're trying to talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. So, Killers of the Flower Moon is the newest of uh, the newest Martin Scorsese movie. Um, who I'm a huge fan of Martin Scorsese. Like, if anyone who's like a big movie person, you've definitely heard of Martin Scorsese. This guy is like the Michael Jordan, the LeBron James of like directing. You could even argue he's like the Muhammad Ali or the Mike Tyson of directing, the Tom Brady, the Joe Montana of directing. Patrick Mahomes, you give a point. He's like the goat of directing. Like literally every single decade since this man's been working, he's made a movie that like defined the decade. Like that people were like, that movie was fucking awesome. That movie was like a top ten movie of a decade. Like in the seventies, he made Taxi Driver. The eighties, Raging Bull. The nineties, Goodfellas. Two thousands, The Departed, and then twenty tens, The Wolf of Wall Street and The Irishman. But but really mainly the Wolf of Wall Street. So now it's 2020s and it's time to get his swing of the 2020s with Killers of the Flower Moon. It's based on a book. It's a three and a half hour epic about um, basically this group called the Osage. They're a group of Native Americans or indigenous people in Missouri, I believe. They, I believe it was Missouri. It's this group of Native Americans. They're on this land that has like a ton of oil and this is based on a true story about this guy named King uh, Hale, I want to say was his last name, is who's Robert De Niro's character. He's this old, like, you know, greedy white guy who basically goes into the community and he brings his nephew, Ernest uh, Burkhart, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He brings him into the scene and they're both trying to try to work together. They're really just kind of scheming and mind games. They're, they're trying to plot, like, this huge, like, the Osage murder. It basically is about the, the murderous, like, plot behind just wiping out the Osage for these assholes to get a, a bunch of money and a bunch of oil. And, uh, yeah, sounds far more interesting than it actually is, <laughs> to be honest. Now, going into the movie, I was, like, pretty excited, but I was nervous because i remembered the irishman that came out like four years ago now i liked the irishman actually a lot like i only saw the movie once um i saw it in theaters actually so i saw it in one sitting and that movie was three and a half hours long and i just remember that movie the last like 30 minutes i'm like he could have just cut that out the last 30 minutes really just just dragged for me and that was the feeling i had in this movie but the last like hour and a half, I was like, God, Martin Scorsese, you just love making these really long, drawn out movies now. And that's the biggest issue for me with Killers of a Flower Moon. But I guess before we get into issues, let's talk about stuff I liked. First of all, the movie looks like visually really good. Like this is one of those movies you're going to watch. Like every single shot looks like a painting. Like it just visually the movie looks very good. Like it visually just... It pulls you in, like, every single shot is very, like, well-composed. You can definitely tell it was made by the professionals. This is just 
top notch like the way it looks the the sets are very good too you really feel like you're transported into the early 1900s like if the cars is the, the design, the, you know, the costumes, everything just really, like, lights up. You're just sitting there, like, I feel like this is the 19, like, 1910s, the earliest 20th century. Also, the performances, everybody across the board does a great job. Like, some people think this is, like, Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance, and, you know, I, yeah, I think he did a really good job in the movie. See, the thing about, like, Leonardo DiCaprio and De Niro's good in the movie, too, but it's, like, you go into it knowing these two are gonna like do really well for me they didn't really exceed my expectations they kind of just met my expectations if anything there were actually a few moments where I thought Leo was kind of a little over the top in the movie like especially towards the beginning I just feel like Leo's kind of played this like gruffy like the character he played in um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Cliff Booth this felt like he was doing a Cliff Booth impersonation for a lot of this movie, at least, I, I mean, I don't know, just the accent, he still does a great job, I'm not taking anything away from him, like, he does a great job in the movie, but he could have been played, I think, by a few different people, but he still does a really good job in the movie, and that's, like, De Niro, I think De Niro, though, we have all credit where credit's due, De Niro's, like, almost 80 years old, he could have easily just phoned this in, he could have just sat there, like, I'm just here to get a paycheck, but no, De Niro brings his A-game, because De Niro's character is just a piece of shit. Like, by the middle of the movie, you're like, this guy sucks. I don't like this guy at all. Really, like, I guess within the first, like, 45 minutes, you're like, this guy's a piece of shit. And he just continues to become a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger piece of shit. I mean, he's just, like, his character's just a complete prick. But that's the thing about this whole movie is none of the characters are likable. And I guess you could argue, oh, that's been a theme with a lot of, like, Martin Scorsese's movies. Like, you could argue in Goodfellas, all the characters are inherently, like, assholes or all these like mobsters murderers even in wolf of wall street that's a good example like jordan belfort and his friends they're all a bunch of dicks as well but the thing that differentiates those characters from the characters here is those characters are at least kind of likable to a degree because they at least have like likable personalities which sounds weird but i feel like i could see myself hanging out with or being in the same room as the characters in those movies, just because they see, they give you this persona of like, oh, this is cool, and maybe that's not even so much the characters, that's maybe more so like how Martin Scorsese shoots those movies or how he's told those stories is where you're kind of like, I can understand where these characters are coming from. Those characters for me in those movies have more like layers to them. They have more kind of like, you can understand like, relate to them where you can connect with them on different levels the thing about this movie is these characters are all just like greedy like nobody in this movie is like oh i can really relate to them they're just i mean the only one you i guess you can relate to ernest who's leonardo dicaprio's character because his character is kind of in the crossfire here and that's where lily gladstone comes into play lily gladstone plays molly who is his wife and molly is like in the osage like tribe she's a part of a community he marries into her it's part of like the whole scheme thing and that's the one thing about the movie too is the whole time you're kind of guessing does leo really love her does he not love her does like do they love each other do they not love each other you don't really like know where his allegiances truly lie and that's one thing that's kind of interesting and ambiguous about the movie itself 
But once again, it doesn't make up for three and a half hours way too long. And that's the biggest thing with me with this movie is this movie is just way too long. I mean, I was sitting there like... I was like, this movie does not need to be this fucking long. Like, the last, like, 45 to an hour of this movie, you could have easily condensed that down. You could have cut out a lot of shit. You could have cut out a whole subplot that did not need to be in the movie. I mean, there's this whole sequence where they're like, don't give this person up. And he's like, I'm not giving that person up. And then it's literally like, he ends up giving that person up anyway, which he was originally going to do before they convinced him not to give that person up. So it's kind of like, why was that in the movie? You could have just cut that whole part out. I mean, I know it happened in real life or whatever, but it's just kind of like, is it to keep you guessing where does this dude's allegiances lie? But at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of people are going to check out of this movie. Like people are going to go into this movie and just be very, very bored. Because the theme of this movie is it's a slow burn. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, there's a little bit of action here and there. And there are moments of intensity. Like, it's not like the movie's a complete snooze fest. Like, there's definitely moments of intensity. There's moments when people get murdered that you're like, fuck, how did... I can't believe they got murdered that way, or this one dude will screw up this murder, and it's like, why just screw the murder up that way? But he was supposed to look like he killed himself. But the thing for me is, like... The motivations are just really shallow. Like, the motivations for these characters is, oh, if we kill this family, we're going to get a ton of money. We're going to inherit the land. But the thing about that is it's kind of like, once again, you don't, you're not really on the ride. You don't really give a fuck if they succeed or if they don't succeed. In fact, you don't want them to succeed. So that's a big issue for me because they're supposed to be the protagonists. They're supposed to be the ones that you're rooting for, but you're like, yeah, let's... Let's get on board with this. But once again, it's very hard to do that. I mean, in the times we live in, obviously Martin Scorsese says he would probably get a ton of heat, heat for doing that. And this is a very sensitive story. But like I said, Molly is the only character in this thing where you're like, I can gravitate towards her because she's the only character that isn't a complete piece of shit. She's the only character here that's actually kind of like a victim and you actually feel bad for her and it's understandable. You're actually rooting for the Osage people a lot more than you're supposed to, than you're rooting for the protagonist in the movie. I didn't really want to be rooting for the protagonist. And I think that's just the story itself is so gruesome and it's so like tragic, but it's like, I don't really know how he would get you to root for the protagonists or the people who are supposed to be the protagonists in this movie. I will say one thing though, Jesse Plemons, he plays the FBI agent who like investigates the murders. Like he shows up like the middle to end of a movie he was like the best part of like the second half of a movie like he blows it out of the water and i'm not even a huge jesse plemons fan like i don't really like him in breaking bad i didn't really like him in the irishman i did like him a little bit in uh, game night actually <laughs> weirdly enough but jesse plemons was actually really good he was actually one of the best parts of a movie i actually really liked him in the movie i he worked really well and overall i feel like the movie is 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 enjoyable i don't like for me martin scorsese i know he's capable of condensing intense and long narratives into stuff that's more digestible and just more entertaining i mean he's proven that before with things like raging bull like raging bull is only like two hours and 20 minutes but it gets the entire point across it gets the character across it gets the intensity across even goodfellas is only two and a half hours but you still get everything in, in a nice bow. I mean, Goodfellas is kind of, you could argue, a little, uh, excuse me, a little rushed. But Goodfellas works. Like, the whole thing just, 
it all kind of marinates together and just blends well for me. I've never seen Gangs of New York, but I would guess that this movie's on the lines of like Gangs of New York, which is really long, a really drawn out story that doesn't really need to be. I mean, I feel like this is a very simple story that you could have condensed into like two and a half hours. I mean, there's a long court case like towards the end of a movie. But once again, that could have been like its own movie. Like this could have been like the first half could have just been its own movie and then the second half could be its own movie or even make it like a six episode miniseries on Netflix. That would have been just as fine. For me, this movie did not lock me in. It did not warrant a three and a half hour runtime. I will say the end of the movie, the way Martin Scorsese says he ended it was very unique and very original and I really liked how he did it. And you can definitely tell this movie is a huge like homage to the old school like... 1950s, 1940s, 1930s Hollywood. But the thing is, is we've advanced. It's like movies aren't made like that for a reason now. It's because, you know, we've advanced. I just feel like people's attention spans, like I feel like the vast majority of audiences are not going to enjoy this movie in one sitting. I mean, sure, maybe if I watched it on streaming in three different episodes, three different settings, I'd enjoy it. But I just remember walking out of this movie thinking that was really long and I was very bored towards the end. It was very, it was a lot. For me, like a movie like Oppenheimer definitely warrants a three hour runtime. A movie like Titanic warrants a three and a half hour runtime. A movie like Lord of the Rings Return of the King warrants a three and a half hour runtime because those movies have a lot going on and there's a lot of different layers. It's not like this movie doesn't have a lot going on, but once again, you could have condensed the movie into two and a half hours and it could have been just as entertaining, if not more entertaining. It would have worked, I think, better for the movie. And it also, you kind of walk away going like, that was kind of Oscar bait. That kind of felt like Martin Scorsese is just going for another Oscar. So at the end of the day, the movie, it's not one of my favorites of the year. It's actually probably one of my least favorite Martin Scorsese movies that I've seen, sadly, and it is disappointing. I will say it's like a thumbs in the middle for me because I do kind of want to rewatch it. It's definitely not a thumbs down because, like I said, the performances across the board, everybody kills in a movie. Like, everyone does a great job in the movie. Like, nobody nobody is horrible in the movie. Like, there's no performance in this movie that's, like, dog shit. The only performance in the movie that I was, like, eh, with, like, Brendan Fraser's in the movie... And I guess I, I reviewed The Whale before I got more comfortable reviewing movies. But, you know, Brendan Fraser, you know, he's just whatever to me. I feel like he's a character that could have, he could have been played by several people. He was fine in the movie. He doesn't really do a lot in the movie. He's only in the movie for like 20 minutes. But, I mean, the thing about Brendan Fraser is it's like, I just think overrated is the best word <laughs> that goes with Brendan Fraser. I know people love Brendan Fraser. I don't hate the guy, it's just, it's just overrated. Overall, though, thumbs in the middle. I, I mean, if you're a Martin Scorsese fan, I think you could just wait till it goes on streaming. You don't really need to see it in a theater. I mean, the only reason to see it in a theater is because, like I said, it visually looks really cool. But the movie didn't lock me in. The movie didn't keep me like on the edge of my seat. The movie didn't make me sit there lose track that oh it's three hours actually like Oppenheimer did. But, like when I sat in Oppenheimer, I'm like oh wait, this was three hours. Wow. <laughs> Didn't feel that, but this movie definitely feel the runtime. Like you're just sitting there, like looking at your watch, like ah, how long have I been here? And that's a lot of that's like the pacing and just I don't know. But overall, Killers of a Flower Moon, it's okay. It's a thumbs in the middle, and yeah, those are my thoughts on Killers of a Flower Moon. Um, and that's all I got for right now, guys. Uh, stay tuned for the next review, and uh, peace. <laughs>